of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our strength and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we don't hear your voice, O God, speak to each of us then here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today is indeed the seventh and last Sunday of the Easter season, and this brings us to our seventh and last Sunday that we, where we have planted our feet firmly in John's first letter. And one of the things that I, that I like so much about John's three letters is that unlike a lot of the, the other letters in the New Testament that were addressed to a specific region, uh, like Corinthians was sent to the Corinth, to the uh, province of Corinth, um, Thessal- Thessalonians to Thessalonica, we don't know exactly where all John's letters were initially sent. We know that they were sent to scattered congregations across a general area, but we don't know the names of those specific towns and provinces uh, and counties that they were uh, sent to. But one of the reasons that I like that is that that makes it almost feel like John wrote this for First United Methodist Church of West Point, Mississippi. That gives a, that there's some liberty in there that that we that we've been given that these words are given to us today for a specific purpose. Yes, it's the same for all of the letters of the New Testament, but there's something about the, the towns not being named that remind us that God names each and every place, and he has sent this letter, and it's something that applies to us across time, across culture, across language and tradition. And and as we've seen over these past seven weeks, John has been repeating some messages of love that we so desperately need to hear. And today, one of the best ways to summer, to the one of the best ways to describe how John ends this letter is that he gives us a closing summary. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you there are some verses beyond verse 13. I encourage you to go and read those this week. It's kind of a wrap up that John gives to the chapter. But th- what we see today is a closing summary. Now, that word "closing" can have uh, some ba- can bring up some uh, some images for us that we don't like of a building being closed, of something coming to an end. And there is always a bit of sadness with any kind of closing. But what we see happening here, John is closing the door of this letter. And what he's inviting us to do so often when we, what he's inviting us to do in a case like this is, is to not just close the door and say, okay, this letter's done. Let's move on to the next. Let's move on to second John and see what he has to say there. No, a good closing summary, like the one that John gives us today, asks us not to just move on to the next thing, but rather to stop and look back on some of the highlights and reflect on some of the things that were most important before we move on to the next door. If any of you, like me, have a video streaming service, if you subscribe to something like Hulu or Netflix or um, Amazon Prime, there are multiple different uh, streaming platforms, you know that if you start watching a, a television show, a series of any sort, there's now this, there's something built into the system where as soon as you finish one episode, before the credits are even done rolling, it just goes right into the next episode. And one of the best ways that you learn about this feature is when you're watching some great mystery show and you're watching it and it just goes into the next one and into the next one and into the next one and before you know it you have spent hours. Anybody else ever done that before where you have ended up just spending all this time because it just keeps going to what's next? Well John is asking us today friends 
Don't just go automatically to the next episode. Let's stop here, and before we close this letter, let's have a proper closing. And a proper closing has a summary. A summary is a good proper closing summary does not just repeat everything that was said. It doesn't just say, okay, guys, remember X, Y, and Z. No, that's part of it indeed. John draws us back to some of the highlights of his letter. But a good closing summary leaves us thinking about something we had not thought of before. A good closing summary makes us want to not just close the book and put it away, but wants us to look back and see, hey, where did I see this before? Where can I learn more about that? And I've shared this with you because any book of the Bible that we open, when we get to the end of it, we should always be wanting to go back and find out more. We're always, and, and we always think, well, we've got to go forward to find out more. No, sometimes the scriptures call us to look back and reflect and see what God might be saying to us. And so I invite you today, as we wrap up the series together, what we're going to do is I'm just going to highlight a few things from some of these verses. And what they do is they point back to other parts of the scripture. And I hope that this will be a springboard for you for reflection this week as we prepare to exit Easter and enter Pentecost and welcome the coming of the Holy Spirit. Look again with me in verses 9 and 10. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. Has, did anybody count there how many times John uses the word testimony? It's used enough that we probably should say, okay, John's trying to tell us something here with this word. And this is a really fascinating word for testimony. It's also translated as witness. It's seen in other parts of the Bible. And the Greek word that he's using there is marturia, M-A-R-T-U-R-I-A. And uh, for those of you who like to study the origin of, uh, of, um, of words, that's how it's spelled. And if you listen close, and it's translated testimony or witness, but notice what other word is here. They're marturia, martyr. Our, our church is founded, of course, on the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It, our foundation is in Jesus Christ. But the virtual bricks, the spiritual bricks of the building that were first set for what we know as the church today were also set by the blood of those that we know as martyrs. Martyr, the word martyr has become associated with those who gave up their lives, their, who, gave, who were killed, who were assassinated, who were executed because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ because they confessed, they witnessed to their experience of Jesus, they testified that Jesus was Lord, and they did so in a society that condemned them to death because of those beliefs. And when we hear that word now, we hear the word martyr, and we think of it as being something long ago. And I just want to point out that there are regions of this world where people are still being executed daily because of their belief in Jesus Christ, because they live in a society with rules, with regulations, with corruption, where Christianity is not the main religion. And, and some people have, are still losing their lives today 
for just testifying to the gospel of Jesus. And so it is something that martyrdom is something that is still very real. But I bring it to our attention today because John is asking for all of us to have a martyria, for all of us to have a testimony and a witness. And that testimony is of saying how Jesus has changed our lives, how, G- what, how we have seen Jesus for ourselves, what we testify to what we have seen Jesus do in our world. And to testify and to witness to who Jesus is means taking up our cross and following him. Jesus said to us over and over again, if you want to, uh, that in order to gain your life, you have to lose your life. That's the martyria that John is talking about here. To follow Jesus, we have to give some things up. We have to give up some of the things that we cling to so easily. The things that we cling to that we put our trust and our hope in, we must instead put our hope and our trust in who Jesus is. And sometimes that means making tremendous sacrifices. I can't help but think that John is thinking about one specific person as he writes about testimony and witness. And that's an unnamed woman whom you can find in the fourth chapter of John's gospel. It was a woman who lived in the nation of Samaria. And Jesus was passing through Samaria one day at noon, the hottest part of the day. She came to the well to draw water. Jesus asked her for a drink, and that was a very scandalous thing for him to do a very improper thing. And they end up in a conversation, and she ends up seeing Jesus for who he truly is the Son of the living God, and the one from whom all eternal life comes. And then the first thing she does, after she realizes who Jesus is, after they've had this conversation, she realizes that he is truly God. She goes back into her town, a town that, re- that, uh, that rejects the teaching of the Jews, a town that engages in idol worship. She goes into that town and she says to them, I have met the one who has come from God. We don't know whatever happened to that woman, but what we do know is that she had a martyria. She had a witness. She had a testimony. And very likely, friends, very likely, when she went back into that town and she confessed her belief in Jesus, at that point, her family probably rejected her. She was probably ostracized from her friends, but she knew whom she had encountered. And that was enough for her to stand up and testify to who he was. And the same is asked of us today. Jesus is inviting us today, friends, to have that same reckless abandon where we give up what we think is so important so that we can take on what is even more important, and that is his cross that is following after him. And then after every death, after giving something up, there always comes a resurrection. And that's what we encounter in verses 11 and 12. Look with me again here. This is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The word that John is using for life is Zoe. If any of you have a friend or a child or someone in your family named Zoe, then you now know the meaning of the name Zoe. It means life. And not just life for today like the breath in our lungs, but a life that goes on and on and on. And what Jesus is, what John is reminding us of here is something that Jesus said to him. Something that Jesus said that, he, that John records in the 10th chapter of his gospel. This is the chapter where, he, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In that same passage, Jesus says 
The, sh- the, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came that you may have Zoe, that you may have life and life more abundantly, a life flow that never runs out. Friends, what Jesus is telling us here and what John is reminding us of is that in Jesus, we have not just life to make it through today. It's not just a life to survive and to go through the motions. Jesus wants for us as we are filled with his life, to be filled with joy overflowing. I absolutely love that we started today with a glory sighting um, about rocks and mulch and a playground and and, and just there's, and the largest exuded joy this morning as she was talking about that. And that is the kind of vibrancy. That's the kind of energy that God wants for us to experience every day. Being a Christian is cool, friends. Being a Christian is supposed to be fun. Yes, there is sacrifice involved. Yes, there is heartache involved. Yes, there is grief involved because there is a cross that we must carry. And we have this burden to tell the good news of what he is doing. But alongside that, alongside the heaviness of this call is the joy of what God has called us to. The joy of showing people that Jesus has changed us and we cannot help but rejoice. We cannot help but be filled with that life that is overflowing, the abundant life. We have to give something up. Yes, we have to give up ourselves, but we get something even better. We don't just get survival. We get thriving life when we surrender to Jesus. And John is reminding us of this and bringing us into this place of saying, yes, there's got to be death, but there will also be resurrection. And he closes this passage today with this beautiful prayer that echoes something else, and this is my last reference uh, for, your, uh, for, for your reflection time this week. But this last verse is so important because what John is, very, uh, is, 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 uh, is doing here in a very quiet and subtle way is that he's praying for us. And it's the same thing that he saw Jesus do because in, when Jesus' eyes were on the cross, on the last night of his, night on, of his life on earth, with his eyes on the cross, in John chapter 17... He prayed for his disciples. And if you go back and you read that chapter, if you have not read that chapter, friends, you're welcome. Let me just go ahead and say you're welcome as you go read it this week because it is one of the tenderest, most heartfelt prayers. And to think that it was Jesus praying that for us long before we ever drew a breath on this earth. And John is echoing that here by saying in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So John is saying, if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you're the ones I'm praying for, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. John is saying, God, please let them know. May they know that this is eternal life. May they know that in Jesus they have everything that they need. May they know this deeply. When Jesus prayed for his disciples on that last night before he went to the cross, do you know what he was pleading for the Father to give to his followers? He pleaded for them to have unity among them. He pleaded for them to have to have that which unites them to be greater than that which divided them. And I bring that up because, friends, a lot of times when we pray for unity, sometimes we may shrug our shoulders and say, yeah, that's a, that's a big request. That's a big ask. Is, are we ever actually going to see that happen? Well, friends, Jesus asked for it. He asked big, and so should we. God is reminding us here that in, in Jesus' prayer and in John's prayer that he echoes here that embrace and ask for the big things. 
embrace and ask for not just life, but for abundant life. Embrace and ask for what God has already given to us. Yes, there will have to be sacrifice, but alongside the sacrifice is celebration. And John is inviting us now saying, hey, I'm praying for you that you'll know you've got this. And that's one of the heart in our minds. That's one of the hardest places for us to get it through our heads sometimes that we have everything we need in Jesus. We go searching for comfort in the world. We go searching for affirmation in the places where we don't need to be when everything that we need is right there in the face of Jesus. As the children uh, pointed out today, this is indeed like a sword. It is a cross. But God's word is a mighty sword that can indeed bring life to everyone that it encounters. And may we never forget what our little sister said to us today, that right here in the center is where Jesus' head would have been. And let us not turn to the world for the comfort that we need, especially in the hard times. And let us not turn to the world for the joy that only Jesus can give. But let's put our thumb where his head was. Let us go to the cross embracing the shame, and receive the victory that is given to us this day. Let us never forget that the one who went before us, the one who prayed for us, is the one who is with us and the one who will come again. That is reason to celebrate. Let us embrace what he has given us for this day, this time, and for his glory. Let us do so to the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.